Good evening, December 8th, 2021. I would be remiss if I don't mention those who were born on December 8th. Jim Morrison and Corey Taylor. So you got Jim Morrison of the Doors, of course, the Lizard King. Mr. Mojo Rising, beautiful anagram right there. Born December 8th, 1943, died July 3rd. 1971. He's been dead longer than he was alive. 50 years. And of, the, of course, Corey Taylor of Slipknot and Stone Sour. Who celebrated? Oh, God, he's almost 50. But who's counting? So, 41 years ago, I was just an infant. And the music world suffered a very heavy loss. They often say that the day the music died was in 1959 when the Big Bopper and Jimmy Valens, or Richie Valens, and Buddy Buddy Holly died. But it happened again in 1980. And there's so many documentaries on that day. There's so many documentaries on John Lennon. Probably the most famous of the Beatles, him and Paul McCartney, I mean, the publishing right there, Lennon-McCarthy. And of of course, the controversial moment saying, we're bigger than Jesus. But they were. They were. I'm going to play for you a clip from John Lennon or the U.S. versus John Lennon. You say you've been in trouble all your life. Why is that? Uh, I'm just one of those faces, you know. People never like my face. If we succeed, generations to come will say of us now living that we mastered our moment. Okay, we're going to pull away because I don't want Yoko Ono coming after me for copyright. But that's, um, let me see. Here we go. Naturalization service began deportation proceedings. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this documentary. There's a lot. It starts with this celebration for John Sinclair, who was arrested, and John and Yoko becoming these revolutionaries. Hence the song Revolution You know it's often been said Oh this is often said In fact Lemmy of Motorhead said it He says I saw the Beatles And didn't have a record deal yet I saw them play at the cavern well, They always say that the Stones are the bad boys And the Beatles were the sissies But it's the other way around you see The Stones were from the London suburbs And the Beatles were from Liverpool. And see, Liverpool was a pretty tough area back then. So the Stones, you know, I've often said, I mean, I love what Keith Richards says, you know. Oh, it's like, you got, Beatles got the white hat. What's left? The black hat. Yeah. Probably because the Stones were a little more, I mean, basically the Stones wanted to be a blues band. That's why their sound is so different than the Beatles. The Beatles 
really wanted to be the Everly Brothers, the four-part harmonies. So, but what happened 41 years ago, it's been talked about, there's been movies made about it, and this is a film podcast. I won't watch that movie where uh, Jared Leto, who's such a great actor, playing Mark David Chapman. First of all, I'm one of the people that, yes, I do a podcast. I don't get the fascination with the true crime podcasts. I really don't. I don't get the fascination with murderers. I really don't. I, I mean, the closest we could say is a fascinating portrait is Dr. Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. And he is based on a composite of different people. But, and, and that's, and, and I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking the true crime podcast genre because it is a genre. But to make a film about the man who killed John Lennon is a, is a very heavy subject. I remember years ago, the, the Cranberries, rest in peace, De- Dolores, the lead singer, she did a song called I Just Shot John Lennon. And I thought, ooh, that's kind of heavy right there. This myth, this mythology, because at the same time he was a person. And I was talking about this with someone today where I said, they asked, how was he shot? And I said, he was shot in a very cowardly fashion in the back. Because Mark David Chapman is a, is a coward. He asked for John Lennon's autograph. And then a few hours later, he shot him. But we're not going to focus on this. What we're going to focus on is the documentation of probably one of the most controversial Beatles. Ringo Ringo was the fun guy. George was fun, but people always thought he was introspective. Paul was the leader of the band, as was John. So when you've got two leaders, there's going to be friction. Right now, there's a documentary out on Disney Plus called The Beatles, Get Back. And it's during the Let It Be sessions, Abbey Road, I believe, directed by Peter Jackson. I'll watch it at some point. But for me, the most interesting part of this story is why John Lennon and Yoko Ono went to New York in the first place. What had happened was the London press was very... The London press are always rude. They were very rude to Yoko Ono. And so John was like, let's get out of here. One of my biggest kicks is just going out to eat or going to movies. You know, and doing things I couldn't do when I was you know, in the middle of the Beatles stuff. And I really get off on that. And people, occasionally people ask for autograph. Or I just want to shake hands is the coolest one that happens which is cool with me, and uh, I'm just known enough to keep my ego floating, but unknown enough to get around, which is nice. Okay. I've been a follower of you for a long time. Thank you. Thank you. 
And that's an example of a new side of John Lennon because think about it. At the at the height of the Beatles, he couldn't go anywhere. Girls were fainting. I'm trying to oh yeah, it was um that one musician from the wall. <laughs> uh the live aid guy. Which was Sometimes when I'm doing the show People have said Oh maybe you should write it down But then that would take the fun out of searching for it Bob Gildoff So Bill, Bob Gildoff talked about Seeing the Beatles And how the smell of piss Because those girls would basically piss themselves Watching the Beatles They would cry and they would piss And I'm sure John Lennon didn't miss that and so when the Beatles broke up, everyone went solo. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. They each they each also had their own relationships going. And John's was probably the most controversial because it was Yoko Ono. They did bed piece, they did hair piece, they recorded Give a Piece a Chance in bed. Timothy Leary was one of those in attendance. So the 60s were alive and burning. John Lennon often said to the, um, because the Stones had put out Street Fighting Man and the Beatles decided, hey, let's put out Revolution. And John Lennon said, look, I don't fancy a bloody revolution. And he was right. And the sad thing about that is, he was killed by a gun. And he always wanted this world to be a peaceful world. And, and what's sad is these musicians, they're musicians, but they're also people. They're also fathers, sons, uncles, cousins. And he was shot. And he was shot in the back. And so... A lot of people have talked about that killed any hope of an ever a Beatles reunion. But the fact that he he was just a guy going to record and a man killed him. Yeah, it's the saddest. I mean, often, you know, rock stars, these musicians die in plane crashes. That's that's disturbing. If you think of the people who have died in plane crashes, Aaliyah, Otis Redding, the Big Bopper, Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, the members of of Leonard Skinnerd. So yeah, it's disturbing. But then to have this icon of the 60s who was all about Peace and love and imagine there's no heaven. Imagine there, you know, get shot. Sometimes when I listen to certain songs, it's kind of unsettling when you think of what happened. Or as Yoko Ono called it, a very heavy fate. 
Like if you've ever listened to Happiness is a Warm Gun. And it's like, okay. So, and the Beatles were aware. I mean, the, the 60s, I wasn't there yet. Were a very turbulent time. When they made the White Album, it really was to mirror everything that was going on. There's a song on the White Album where I can't sing it because I know I will get copyrighted called Hey Bungalow Bill, What Did You Kill? And that has been insinuated that that is about LBJ. But they couldn't just come out and say, Hey, LBJ, who did you kill? And those were the beginning of the protest songs. The protest songs have been around since the beginning of time. And here we are, it's the holidays. Whenever I think of John Lennon, the one song that comes to mind is Merry Christmas, War is Over, If You Want It. And what they had done is they had erected these um, posters all over the world and the different cities. And it said, Merry Christmas from John and Yoko. War is over if you want it. And then they later recorded a song, which became a hit. Everyone has covered that song. Whenever you, I mean, the opening lines, come on. It's so, it's so beautiful. And then you've got, they're, they're saying Merry Christmas to uh, their children and everything. So that's when you know the holidays are here. Some of you, it's when Mariah Carey, when you hear All I Want for Christmas playing in the store for me now, it's Merry Christmas, War is Over, if you want it. And then I would also echo Jim Morrison, who very famously said in that song, um, The Unknown Soldier, the war is over. But what war is he talking about? He's obviously not talking about the current war that was going on in the 60s, the Vietnam War. Was he talking about the war of the mind? And I've often talked to people about the doors and their lyrics. And and here it is, Jim Morrison's birthday. And it's somewhere in a documentary that I saw where they had uh, Ray Manzarek who said he was quoting the end. And he says, lost in a Roman wilderness of pain and all the children are insane. And he's like, what a way to describe the love generation. And that's true because the doors were not hippies. They were not singing about California dreaming. Neither were the Velvet Underground fronted by Lou Reed. These were bands that were like dark. The world is dark. The world is light and dark. I mean, the end is about the Oedipus complex. Break on through to the other side. Light my fire. End of the night. And I love what a radio man said about that song. He says, here, the Beatles are saying, all you need is love. And the doors are like, light my fire, honey. It's a different kind of love. And so you have to imagine. Hello. (laughs) Whenever people say that word, I immediately think of the song. That is probably one of the most iconic songs Just by the pianos. I remember telling someone once, when you hear that opening piano, 
that John Lennon is playing. Whenever someone covers that, they have to make sure the piano is correct because it is distinct. Everyone has covered the song Imagine. You just can't touch the original. And I find myself in these times, the newer artists, it's like, eh, and I, and I go backwards. And so that's why it's my mission to go further into the blues because rock and roll and everything popular music comes from the blues. It comes from the blues. The blues doesn't lie to you. Oh, it it holds that microphone right up to all of your problems and, and it amplifies it. I mean, it began with Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson, I mean, talk about a man and a myth. Did he really sell his soul to the devil? Ozzy Osbourne thinks so. How is that even possible? Do you write it down? Do you meet him at the crossroads? And so here, if we go back to the Beatles, you know, when Paul McCartney and John Lennon got together, it was interesting. They, they loved the blues. They loved country music. They loved Elvis. And John, John didn't like wearing his glasses, but he wore them. And the way he kind of wore his hair, it was kind of in a Buddy Holly style. And that's a nod to Buddy Holly. And years later, he did an album, I think it was called the Rock and Roll album, where he did uh, covers of all of these rock tunes from the, the 50s and 60s. <laughs> and... There have been so many interviews. I mean, the the last interview that John Lennon really did was with the light John Snyder. What had happened was, I think he had written, he said he was going to go on his last weekend. Everyone knows about that. He acquired a, a lover in that process, Mei Pang. And then him and Yoko Ono got back together and yeah, it's, it's, it's rock and roll, (laughs) but it's been analyzed and it's been talked about over and okay. It was Tom Snyder, not John Snyder, but that was the last interview that he did. And here's a portion of it to stay with that group. Why is what you're doing now not boring when that was? Because I can change musicians whenever I like. And it tends to get into a format, you know? Because we were together much longer than the public knew us. You know, it wasn't just from 64. I was 24 in 64, and I've been playing with Paul since I was 15. And he's very nice. <laughs> and, and George about a year later or something. So it's a long time we spent together. In, in and that's John Lennon's final interview with the late Tom Snyder of The Tomorrow Show. Tom Snyder did these really great interviews with Shelley Winters, John Lennon, Patty. I love Patty Smith. Um, Gladys Knight. But yeah, the day after John Lennon died. They re-aired this interview. This was the final interview that he gave. Full interview. Because throughout his re-emergence. Because he hadn't made an album in years. And so in 1980. 
He went to Bermuda. They made an album, Double Fantasy. And then there was the intent that they were going to make another album. And that's really what they were doing on December 8th. They were beginning the sessions for the... the it, was, it was going to be a companion album called Milk and Honey. But fate intervened, unfortunately. And that album, it was released unfinished. I remember there's a song in there called Nobody Told Me. And the vocals are obviously unfinished because of what happened on December 8th, 1980 been around for years under the disguise of ska, blue beat, etc, etc but it finally formed itself into reggae and that's about the really newest thing that's happened in music in the last five years or six years. Do you years. think anything new happens to music or is it a, a continual series of cycles and that maybe a hundred thousand years ago somebody had the same kind of beat or the same kind of whatever it is that makes it different and that maybe the whole thing is just going in cycles or are we in fact discovering things all the time? I think uh, that there's a something to the cycle thing but I think if you apply the cycle idea to it that's a cycle for everything not just music you know? mm-hmm. but it's snowballing either with just because of electricity or because of all the garbage everybody picks up because you know, we keep inventing things right so it, it does change and it has cycles in a way you know like I think the whole the whole whatever it is the universe is a series of cycles but the music has to change because they keep inventing new things like you know films change it's now video so it's in that way it's different but don't you know that in about 1988 there's going to be a group come out that is going to pick right back to the sound that you guys had in the uh, since you're 15 years old and all kinds of critics and all kinds of writers are going to say wow look at this we've got this whole new sound that's reminiscent of the beatles back in the 60s well they'll probably be playing grudge blobs and zack dungas right you know they'll have new instruments and although rock and roll was brand new when it came out and excited everybody, it was sort of, it had roots in blues and jazz. So in that way, they would have their roots in the 60s, 70s, and possibly further back. But you can't say that rock and roll is like the 20s music, although if you look for it, you can find out where it came from. Mm-hmm. And you can find out where Beatles music came from, or any music came from. It's just like, it has its history. And so that furthers what I was talking about earlier, how popular music really comes from the blues. It comes from jazz and it comes from the blues. And the blues comes from slave songs. It comes from spirituals. In fact, there is that the Underground Railroad really is built on music because they would sing those songs to each other because they knew that the the slave owners couldn't comprehend what they were talking about. They would say, I'm going to see you over there where the constellation and, and the northern star because they're going to go north. And so John Lennon really picked up on that in terms of everything being circular. And, you know, uh, I have friends who are religious who don't like the song Imagine because he says, Imagine there's no heaven. And then there's another song that he did called God, where he says God is a concept. Some people don't like that. And that's what he was furthering with the Plastic Ono band. I'm not going to play those songs because I don't want Yoko Ono to come after me and copyright this episode. Um, but yeah, 
I encourage all of you to go on YouTube or wherever you can and look for those Tom Snyder interviews because they're very interesting. And the band that Tom Snyder, I think, was alluding to hadn't even recorded yet, and that was U2. U2 were nothing like the Beatles, though. I mean, they had that same ambition as the Beatles to be this multimedia band, which is what they became, but they were an Irish band. And Bono has often said that, in his mind, the Beatles were Irish, like him. But then, if you look at the DNA of U2, there's some Led Zeppelin in there. There's some Ramones, because it was all about punk. There's a little bit of the Sex Pistols. There's a little bit of the New York Dolls, because when... 30 years ago, U2 put out Actum Baby. They, I mean, it's really, they took on all of these ideas from Berlin. What's funny about that is artists have been going to Berlin for years. At the beginning of the 20th century, filmmakers would go to Berlin because that was the German expressionism, the new wave. And that's where Alfred Hitchcock actually met his wife, Alma Reville. So fast forward to the 1960s and the Beatles are playing Germany and they're playing Hamburg. And so Germany really had this kind of avant-garde history and future upon it. And that's why you two went to go make Actum Baby in Berlin and they went back to Ireland and finished it. But they were as ambitious as the Beatles. They're not the Beatles. The Beatles only lasted for 10 years. But those songs, I remember years ago, I was in a class and someone said, do you think we'll still be listening to the Beatles in 30 years? And she said, no, that was 16 years ago. We're still listening to the Beatles. People are still flocking to Disney plus to watch the Peter Jackson documentary on the Beatles. So, They're not finished. I don't think they ever will be. I think the way music kind of goes and ebbs and flows, I've often said that it will probably go all the way back to the blues. I love studying the blues. In the next year, I'm going to go see Buddy Guy, who played alongside Hendrix and Muddy Waters. And even Buddy Guy said what the Beatles did was interesting. Even... Al Green. Al Green said the first time he heard the Beatles, he that amphetic sound, those four-part harmonies. And then we have to also talk about the king of rock and roll, and that's Mr. Little Richard. And Little Richard loved the Beatles because he said they sounded like the Everly Brothers, but there was a four-part harmonies. And so when you listen to the Beatles, there really is a history of all these different musical styles coming together. They borrowed from the Motown sound. In fact, they did do a few Motown covers, Mr. Postman. And they did You Really Got a Hold on Me, which is a Smokey Robinson song. Hello. So... The Beatles' music really is steeped in R&B, country, and rock. 
and some people went after them. Oh, they're just a tacky little pop band. But what they really did was to globalize the music and make it artistic. The album format itself. Before that, you would make an album and you had maybe three good songs and then you had fillers. And Paul McCartney said, you know, we, we want to make something where we get away from our image. Oh, oh, what can we become? We could become Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. And so that's what they did was to become another band. And they made Sgt. Pepper. And it took on the album format. So no longer was the album just, oh, something to house a few hits and a few misses. The whole album from start to finish is a piece of art. And that's really when the album format was born. The Beatles understood this because they weren't touring anymore. And this was year this was this was I think along the ways of when they were going to break up because they were starting to drift apart as all bands do. You know, band a band I wouldn't know this because I've never been married. A band is like a marriage people have said. And you have fights and disagreements and things evolve and change and switch different tones and you you learn different ways of being. But with the Beatles I mean, first of all, you've got Paul McCartney, who originally was the bass player. He's doing solo stuff. You've got John Lennon, who is the lead singer. And then you've, of course, got the young one, George Harrison, who was the lead guitarist because John and Paul could not solo. They even said that. They said, we weren't that good. And so they brought on George Harrison who had been stockpiling songs for years. So that's why when... That is such an impressive move to put out All Things Must Pass because it's a double album. The other guys in the band, no no disrespect to them, but they put out an album. And here George is putting out a double album. Very ambitious. And then Ringo put out his album. And Paul Paul's first album was him playing all the instruments himself. So... It was it was fate that they would break up. You have all these other bands like Metallica, whom I love, who are celebrating their 40th anniversary. The Rolling Stones have been together for 60 years. Charlie Watts recently died this year. But the Beatles, the Beatles, the Beatles are forever. And while they're not my favorite band... I'll give that to Jim Morrison's band, The Doors. When you're a little kid and you hear those Beatles songs, they are so infectious. And then when you become an adult, you hear The Doors and it's like, okay, this is what it's all about. The dark, the light and dark, because not you can't always be happy and you can't always be dark, but you have to have the two in order to exist. And so, what happened on December 8th, 1980, I think it furthered the Beatles' myth. It furthered this, what might have been. John Lennon loved Elvis Presley. He has often said he wanted to be Elvis. And... 
Here we go. Oh, here I want to I want to highlight this him talking about peace for as long as they wanted for seven days. And all the time we just kept plugging peace. And the story that came out was John and Yoko do bed in for peace. And we were just promoting peace like you promote any product. You know, they promote war, join the Marines, join this. We were promoting peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the naked album cover was less um, general than that. Meaning they didn't have, we didn't have, that was the, one of the first things we did. We thought, you know, we felt like two virgins. That's what the album was called. Because we were in love, just met, and we were trying to make something. And we thought to show everything. People are always looking at people like me, trying to see some secret or what do they do? What do they do? You know, do they go to the bathroom? Do they eat? Do you? I do quite a lot. You know, and the, we, I just, we just said, here, you know, and that was in 1968, and the whole hell broke loose, but now they're jumping around naked all over the place, right? Yes, they are, as a matter of fact. Right. <laughs> and what they're talking about is, of course, the streaker, the famous Oscar streak, people streaking, that became a thing. I wasn't alive then, okay? I wasn't born till 1980, and that's why, strangely, whenever people ask how old I am... I just mentioned what happened on December 8th, 1980. I said, well, I was just an infant, so I don't know. And they go, ooh, whoa. And then that really brings the temperature down. So, people often have penned Yoko Ono as the, the enemy the woman who broke up the Beatles. But it was John Lennon who wanted to end it. And I think everyone at that point had wanted to end it. But I will give her the respect for continually. Whenever Mark David Chapman comes up for parole, she is there to block him. Because of what he did. Some people would talk about forgiveness But what happened on December 8th, 1980? That's very unforgivable. Raging Its Machine says your anger is a gift. Yoko Ono's pain. The whole family's pain. That is theirs. So that's why I will not talk about this. Like I said, this is a film podcast. There are so many documentaries on this. There are so many documentaries on John Lennon and Yoko Ono. But I would encourage you to check out The People versus John Lennon. Or The U.S. versus John Lennon. Lennon NYC. Imagine. The making of the Imagine album. And these interviews. He gave very few interviews. That was the thing. He went on Dick Cavett and did an interview and it was it was an interesting time. You know how we often talk about when someone dies and they get an award that that's the death vote. Well, that did happen to John Lennon. Yoko Ono and John Lennon put out Double Fantasy. John Lennon and Yoko Ono a month before or actually two months before he died. And it went on to win a Grammy for Album of the Year. 
So there's that. Did they give it to it because it was a really good album or was it because of what happened? And what happened, I think, has forever changed music. Stalkers. People who stalk musicians and famous people. I've had a few stalkers, so I totally understand. And this was way before I was a podcaster. But yes, on this day, let's just celebrate. Listen to the music. Watch the documentaries. And also I say that for uh, Jim Morrison of The Doors. Watch the documentaries. Listen to the music. And then Corey Taylor, who was born today. Listen to the music. I don't know if there's documentaries on Slipknot. I don't. I don't know. But I don't have all the answers. And often I've been criticized for doing this podcast in a very unorthodox fashion. That I don't write anything down. Often I am searching for the answer. That's part of life and I don't believe in editing that out. I do know when to pause. I give that credit to my speech uh, professor who taught us when you feel an um coming on to pause. But I don't want too much dead air on this podcast. So just go out and watch these documentaries. There are some interesting talking heads in these documentaries. The People versus John or the US versus John Lennon. I guess I have the People versus Larry Flynn on my brain. You've got Gore Vidal. You've got Ron Kovac, who wrote the book Born on the Fourth of July, who willingly went to war and then came back and denounced it. You've got the late Gore Vidal. You've got uh, so many people talking about. Because what what really was happening was the immigration wanted to basically send John Lennon back to England. They wanted to deport him. And that was really the Nixon government trying to get revenge because Nixon, come on. He just wanted him out of here. They saw him as public enemy number one. Because of what he was saying about peace, what he was saying about politics, what he was saying about society. That's pretty powerful when it takes a musician to do that. Not a guru, not a religious person, not a politician, but a musician. A musician who they deemed public enemy number one. And that shows a lot of flaws in these political beings, such as Richard Nixon. And so I think I will end with, if we can play it, here we go. We can't. What I'm looking for are clips. Of, it's a very interesting documentary. It really is. And so many horrible commercials. <laughs> Here we go. 
Ah, this is this is the crust of it. When somebody in show business comes and participates in a political rally, he or she is doing something that is a very great personal sacrifice and even a personal risk. Certainly, they fear what a figure like John Lennon represented. Anybody who sings about love and harmony and life is dangerous to somebody who's singing about death and killing and subduing. He was making friends with a lot of people that our government wanted to put in jail. He was a high-profile figure, so his activities were being monitored. And that's a clip from the people, the U.S. versus John Lennon. He believed all of his telephone conversations were being monitored. He believed that he was being followed around New York City. He believed that friends that he thought were friends were secret informants for different intelligence communities. We were just shocked and we were really scared. Another effect of the Sinclair thing was it probably further alerted the FBI, John Mitchell, Holderman, Ehrlichman, and Nixon as to this threat to them that something needed to be done to neutralize John Lennon. So isn't that disturbing that all of these government people are threatened by a musician? Not a politician, not a dignitary, a musician. Because he spoke to the people. Okay? Power to the people. I I mean I'd I'd like to kind of guess that that term, that title power to the people, comes from the Black Panthers because he obviously hung out with some of the Black Panthers. In fact, one of them appeared with him on Dick Cavett. So obviously he borrowed power to the people because that's what the Black Panthers said. Power to the people. We could get into a whole thing about the Black Panthers and eventually one day I'll do a documentary or a podcast on them because there's so many fascinating documentaries. In fact, one of them is in that John Lennon documentary, Angela Davis, who later left the Black Panthers because the women were not able to rise up in the ranks. Here's one more clip of the United States versus John Lennon. Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Good evening. The death of a man who sang and played the guitar overshadows the news from Poland, Iran, and Washington tonight. Former Beatle John Lennon, who was 40, was shot and killed last night outside his luxury apartment in New York. The alleged killer is an unemployed security guard and printer who had lived in Hawaii. News of Lennon's death touched off a wave of shock and mourning around the world. And so that's where we'll end of what happened 41 years ago. (sighs) But watch the documentaries. That's what I encourage you to do. This isn't documentary December like I did last year because that's too much to do. 
But as always, unpleasant dreams. <laughs>